All right, welcome back to the Patriot Nation podcast. It's January 4th. Hope everyone had a great holiday break and a happy new year. This episode, we're joined by Levin Reed from Channel 4. We discuss all things Patriots and hand out our regular season awards. It's kind of a long interview, so we're actually going to get right into it after the break. Cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Pass. Wilson, quick throw. And it's intercepted. It. Intercepted. It. It. Patriots reporter, everyone knows Levin. Levin, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate you being here. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. I haven't talked to you guys in a minute now that you guys are blowing up. I didn't know if you guys would give me a call. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm glad to be on, obviously. I think, Levin, the last time we talked to you was with our other show, and it was right before Super Bowl 52. So hopefully yes. you bring some better luck this time. That's all I can ask. <laughs> Who thought they would lose that game? Be serious no one, now. None Come of on us. Now. Nobody oh, my thought, God. You know? <laughs> Who thought they would lose that? And then all of a sudden, I mean, I, I saw the same thing you guys saw. And I was like, really, Nick Foles? Is this what we're, this what we're doing uh, here? Really? Is that what's happening? So it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, brutal, right? So, um, so listen, uh, now, the last time we did a show – you know, listeners out there know last time we did a show was the Friday before the Bills game. So obviously things have changed quite a bit since then. Uh, Patriots were the number three seed at that point. Now they're the number two seed. Uh, you know, everything has kind of gone differently for the Patriots uh, moving forward from there. So I, I just, you know, just kind of out of over the last two weeks, at least, let's just kind of recap kind of what's been what's happened and the, really kind of everything fell in the Patriots favor. I, I, always kind of I, I will tell you, I will tell you the one thing that, okay. So besides everything falling into place um, with Philadelphia doing what they needed to do to get the victory, um, you actually saw the Pats, you know, after the whole Josh Gordon thing, um, change their offense again, where, yeah. you know, you talk about the Bills game. Well, I think they ran the ball for 273 yards that game. And then they come out uh, against the Jets and they don't have Cordero Patterson, and I think they hit, like, everybody Everybody touched the ball that game. I mean, it's good, whether it be Philip Dossett, Chris Hogan, Gronk had a couple of catches, uh, James White was in the offense a little bit more than he's been in the past couple of games. So um, you're hoping that they, they, they're they able to kind of be a Swiss Army knife here and work their offense a little bit better because, ironically, their defense is, uh, is playing extremely well again. Um, and it, it's the, the weird part about their defense is they play extremely well at home, but they have zero communication on the road. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it is just the oddest thing I've ever seen because when they're on the road, you would think they – I mean, it's quiet when the other team's offense is on the field, so it should be easier for you to communicate. Um, and they just have zero communication when they're on the road. 
And one thing, too, you mentioned Philip Dorsett, and I, I wanted to get into this, but you kind of just segued it for me. He's he, like, I don't get it why he wasn't seen. I know Gordon was here, and, you know, they, they've been trying to get Hogan involved, and Edelman coming back kind of hurt him. But it, he had a coming out party the first couple weeks of the year, and we haven't seen him. And now since Gordon's been out, I mean, this past weekend he was great. I mean, he's got great hands. His catch percentage is, I think, one of the highest, if not the highest on the team. He just he, he puts himself in situations and get gets separ- separation pretty well for a guy of his size and his hands make up for it. And I mean we know he's fast. I just I'd love to see more of him and I'm hoping him or Hogan can kind of fill that void of Amendola that, you know, didn't do much in the regular season. When the playoffs come, they're your number one receiver because he's very good. I don't get it. I, well, I can say this. His, the last 16 targets he's had, I think he's got all 16 catches. So yes, I saw that he, too. When you talk about his, his sure hands, he's there. I think their biggest problem with him is that they're not sure how durable he is. So you and I have watched Amadola take some hits and bounce right back up, and he's just like a rubber band after a while. I'm not sure they think Philip Dorsett is that durable to do that. And I'm not sure, And in a sense, I'm not sure you need him to be. Like, if he can catch it for first downs and fall down, I'll take that and move the chains. Um, it, it's just a matter of the, they're trying to throw him open, and, and that situation, you don't want to get into a Brandon Cooks thing where you're throwing him open and he's just taking hits and he gets alligator on. And I think that's how they view uh, Philip Dorsett. I'm not saying that's how I view Philip Dorsett. I view Philip Dorsett more on the lines of the way you do, where, I, I, I mean, I think I even did a story about, like, he was averaging like 25 yards of catch last year. <laughs> I was like, well, because he's open. You can get him the ball because he's open. Um, so, I, I mean, and I think going forward, they're going to have to use him more um, going forward. So the one thing that's changed about their offense that we've seen in the past that um, probably we're not going to see anymore is Trent Brown doesn't run the screen well. So they don't do the screen at James White as much as they did in the past, like they would do at Nate Solder or anything like that. Instead, They've used Shaq Mason and the, the jet sweep a lot more, which is so strange because you and I and anyone we know have done the jet sweep in high school, peewee, college, never worked. Uh, <laughs> in the run it, it's like six yards out of pocket. So it's, it's, a very, it's a very weird thing. It's, it's going to be different. It'll be difficult to see how they, how they get things done or just interesting to see how they get things done when the playoff comes around. Well, I, and I think, I think that's a good point. I mean – White is one of those guys that I think will take over once the postseason comes comes along. Edelman's a guy that is concerning to me, and not a lot of people are talking about this, and I've kind of been working on an article about it, and I, I've been putting it off, but he's reminding me a lot of 2012 Wes Welker, where well, he's I- dropping a lot of passes. Last week was the first time he didn't have a drop pass since the Titans game. He's dropping a lot of passes, and the passes he's dropping seem to be because he's trying to run before he catches the ball. And to me, it's a bad sign that he knows he's lost a half a step, and he's trying yeah. to compensate for that. And I that's think he's just coming off a knee injury. Dirty. I just, I really do. I mean, I don't know if you look at Wes Welker after his injury and look at that season. I would almost think that it mirrors the same, and I would bet you the drops are the same. I would almost bet you money the drops are exactly the same. Most they, of the guys they when they come are. off the ACL tears, you know, I, I, most of the guys when they come off the ACL tears, they don't get that burst. Listen, you remember how good Deion Lewis looked that first season he was here? And then he right. got that ACL tear, 
And then he was like that second season he was okay. And then it was the third season that he had that burst again. I just think it, you're, you're waiting. It just takes time for that, for them to go through that year of getting everything done and feeling um, back to normal, especially for a guy who's not trying to get hit. I mean, I, 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 I mean, he's trying to catch and not get hit. It's not like he's like the quarterback where he's, you know, he's, he can kind of figure it out because everything's in front of him. Um, right. I mean, Brady's thrown a lot of couple passes to him, and he's probably thinking, I got to get off a little bit quicker. And it's, his legs are just not there. And he talked about that in training camp that his legs were not the same yet. He's got to kind of figure that out. I'm not sure how long that takes. Um, but it's, uh, but I would, I would just bet you that those numbers with Welker and him are pretty much the same. Yeah, no, you're probably right. And as a matter of fact, I think they're, if they're not exactly the same, they're very close. I know Welker had 10 drops in 2012 and 2013, but I think it was around 10 or 11 uh, that mm-hmm. year. It was at 2010. Um, and, you know, uh, Ed O'Mat 10 this year, although I, some places I saw said eight, but I had seen 10 earlier. Um, sure. You know, I remember that's only 12 games because he was suspended for the first four, but uh, even still, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, he's still he's still great. He's still Edelman. Um, mm-hmm. But there have been moments this year where I'm like, I don't know, age is – you know, it might not be age, maybe who knows. But, like, you know, it was that one game where he, like, fumbled two punts and luckily one of them was out of bounds and the other yeah. one he recovered. But you're like, what is going on here? He just didn't – hasn't seemed like the same Edelman. And maybe you're right. Maybe it's because he was hurt last year and he's still kind of getting his feet under him. Um, I, I mean, listen – if if they have to worry about somebody, I, I like I'm hoping that Gronk can turn into Gronk um, in the playoffs. At least be, and I don't even need him to be like 100% of Gronk. Like 80% of what Gronk would be fine with me, um, because for for if Gronk can, you know, they can go get the ball to Gronk and he can get yards. He doesn't have to pull roll guys over. I just want him to be able to get yards and, and maybe get some distance on certain things. Um, then it opens up their offense. I think the, the game immediately changed when you didn't have to double-team Gronk as much anymore, where you could kind of just leave them with a kind of a big safety and they could kind of string Gronk out, and that's what's happening now. Yeah, well, I feel like, I feel like you're right. I mean, obviously, Gronk is such a huge part of the offense, and that's – one of those scary things that kind of sets him up for the future where you look at it and say, you know, what's going to happen next year. But that's something I don't even want to get into because people are speculating yeah. on all that stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah. too, like he might be another one where you say kind of saving his bullets because I think they came into the season knowing, you know, this guy doesn't have much left. You know, and, and, and you saw like, what was it? Two weeks ago. He didn't even, he had what one target and ended up going right through his hands yeah. for a Brady pick. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, they, they knew they were going to get the two seed or three seed somehow, some way, you know, especially late in the season. There was no way to rush him, but he's definitely lost a step. But it, it's it's funny to say because this is a guy who went for what? Like, he had like nine catches for over 150 yards and a touchdown in that Super Bowl last year. Like, I don't yeah. know how someone can have that much of a drop off in their play just from like, you know, what, what's that, six months? Because the first week he looked like, oh, my God, this guy's an MVP candidate. And then it just went boom. It's, it's funny because we, we talk about it in the newsroom a lot. And, you know, there, there's a lot of guys who say that Gronk is the best tight end they've ever seen. And, I, you know, I'll say, I guess so, but he's not the best tight end to ever play. 
<laughs> you know, and I, like, I was, like, we, it, it was just because I saw Antonio Gates the other, like, it was a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, how old is Antonio Gates? And he was, like, 36, and then I, we ended up doing a lot of research on different tight ends, and, like, Tony Gonzalez missed two games in 20 years. Like, That's crazy. And I remember, and I remember his last season, because the Pats played him his last season when he was in Atlanta, he had, like, 86 catches. He had like over close to 1,500, like 1,200 yards and like nine touchdowns. I was like, Tony Gonzalez and Jason Witten never missed any games. He never missed a game in his career. So like you're talking about guys who understood how to change their game. Um, and maybe their game wasn't as bullish as Gronk's game was to begin with. But, you know, I remember Tony Gonzalez when he was at KC and he was like a problem. You know, he was an issue. And and all of a sudden, that he just was able to change his game. Hopefully, Gronk is in the process of doing that, and that's what we're seeing him try to change his game a little bit instead of not being a factor because that's not what you want Gronk to be. Well, I think I mean that's a hundred percent correct. It, Tony Gonzalez is a little bit of an odd case. I mean, guy never ate a cheeseburger in his life, which is insane. I still think, <laughs> um, but you know, Gronk's certainly not on that level. I mean, let's be honest, right? Even if he's doing the TV 12 you know, I think we're yeah. still popping a few back in the offseason. Um, so so let yeah. me ask you guys, this: which team do you not want to see them play in the division round? They can either play, I think, they can play the Chargers, they can play, I think they can play the Chargers, the Ravens, and the, the Houston Texans. Which team do you Texans. not want to see? Easy. It's absolutely 100% easy answer. And the easiest answer for me, well, I mean, I guess the easiest answer for me is the Ravens. And the reason why the reason why has nothing to do with the Ravens, because I don't think the Colts can go in there and win in Kansas City. Because I, in my opinion, I think the Patriots are screwed if they have to go into Kansas City. Oh, no, I think that's not even a question. You're absolutely right. <laughs> You're absolutely and correct. So, and so it's to me, if we're playing, if we're playing the Ravens, it's because, well, I guess, or the Chargers, I guess, for that matter, it's because yeah, the Colts yeah. beat the Texans, and now the Colts are going into Kansas City, and they have almost no chance of winning in Kansas City. Although, I mean, they've done it before. Like, who knows? I mean, it is Andy Reid. He could he could screw it up. I mean, but it, you know, for me personally, I look at it and say, the game's not because. Oh, let's be honest. The Patriots are a different team at home. They can beat any of the teams on the slate, including the Chiefs, when they're at home. They already beat the Chiefs at home. I think they can – they're capable of doing it even without Gordon. But really the issue is when they're on the road, they're they're 3-5 and five on the road this year. And all five sure. teams they've lost to, everyone seems to point out, all five teams they've lost to didn't even make the playoffs. So to yeah. me, that says more about the Patriots than it does about those five teams. And so, you know, they're not good on the road. So to me, I say – the Chargers have the best chance of knocking off the uh, knocking off the Chiefs. So the team I want to see in here is Houston. And again, that that doesn't speak anything about Houston. I think Houston's a very good team. They're probably one of the best teams left. But they can't go into Kansas City because they have to. If they win, they automatically play us. So I want to play Houston because the Chargers are really the only team that can beat the Chiefs. And I guess the Ravens, although. The Ravens can't score with the Chiefs. I mean, there's just no chance of that happening, I don't think. And so that's what we have to hope for, at least, in my opinion. Now, you know, as far as matchup-wise. You got a lot of funny math going on. 
<laughs> I know. I know. He's a math teacher. I know. I am a math teacher. A lot of funny math going on there. Um. <laughs> but for me, too, like, I, I, I'm with you, Pat. It's, you know, I don't want to play the Ravens. Just in your reasons, obviously, a lot more complex than mine. Um, but, <laughs> you know, um, strictly because they've just had so much success here in the playoffs. Like, think about it. The last time we played them was en route to that, you know, when we beat Seattle. And they were down two touchdowns twice in that game. So they puked all over themselves twice. But, listen, I, I don't think Houston comes in here. Bill O'Brien's – I'd be shocked if he came into New England and beat them. And – so Andy Reid, I'm saying this play. to my friends. Andy Reid is going to Andy Reid. He's going to puke all over mm-hmm. himself. The guy's got like a 700 winning percentage in the regular season. He's 18 and 18 in the playoffs. That says something about him. And I think you're right. I think the Chargers, if there's one team that can beat him off just because it's the divisional team, can beat the Chiefs. But, I, you know, you say the Ravens can't score with them. If they, if they can somehow knock off the Chargers at home, they get rolling. I mean, they're one of the hottest teams in football. And they've kind of seen a resurgence in that offense with Lamar Jackson. I think they can do some funny things with him. Don't be surprised if Andy Reid, Andy Reid's, and we get, you know, Baltimore at home for the AFC title game. I know we're way ahead of ourselves, but I would not be surprised. I'm, an, I'm nervous, and I shouldn't be, but I'm always nervous um, with Houston because the, the, I've seen Houston give Tom Brady a ton of problems with Romeo Cornell and everything like that. And now Tom Brady's not really Tom Brady. And and I've actually watched Deshaun Watson carve up this team when he was able to run it in and out of the pocket. And I don't want for this is this is just me. I don't want the Pats defense to have to put to put a body on a running quarterback. So yeah. that's how anytime they have to put a body on a running quarterback, it's a disaster. They struggle it's, every it's time. An absolute disaster. Um, and I don't want that to be a situation where they have to do. I, I'll say this though. Um, because Houston lost all of a sudden, Demarius promises out of the mix. They only, I think, only have one threat, Andre Hopkins. And by the way, he's a he's a, he's a problem. But but for them to Deshaun Watson can uh, by like I watched, I was at the game when they played Chicago. I thought like Mitchell Trubisky by himself was gonna do whatever he wanted to do. There were times where he was running the ball. I was like, is there anyone on near him? And I would hate for Deshaun Watson to kind of get you know. That level, and you know what's funny? I'm gonna find out who Deshaun Watson is on Saturday um, when he plays. And if, if if Deshaun Watson on Saturday comes out and he looks like prime time Clemson, like he's the moment's not too big for him, um, then it's you know because I because if they beat if they beat Andrew Luck and the Colts, that's a big win. That's a big win because that team is rolling and they and they're able to do whatever they need to do. And if Texans beat Andrew Luck and the Colts, I'll I'll, I'll you know, I'll be like, whoa, <laughs> this will be a, this will be a different thing. So. No, that's a good point. I mean, you're right about that. Um, I do think Watson is a problem. I mean, you're right. But you, you know, on the other side of it, like you said, I mean, there is some inexperience there. They've played him before. Mm-hmm. I think the running aspect of it is a little bit overrated only because I don't know how much they spied Trubisky. I mean, did they have a true spy on Trubisky the whole time? I think if they you put a guy spy. like him, what do you say? They won't spy. They won't do it. They, See, I, I mean, think, it's not in their offense to spy. It's not in their defense, I should say, to spy. It right. never has. I mean, they always. I mean, that's why they don't try and sack the quarterback, really. 
because right. they just try to contain they the quarterback. Contain. It's an odd thing. They just don't spy. So I know what you're saying. But even right. Sam Donald broke free for 28 yards last week. No, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's an interesting situation for sure. Um, yeah. You know, with because Watson does bring that to the table. And really, if you look at all the quarterbacks that are left outside of Rivers, they all bring that to the table. You sure. know, sure. Jackson, obviously. I mean, Jackson, what, last week had like, what, 205 yards passing, and that was the highest he's had in his career so far. So he throws Crazy. for around 150 to 200 yards a game, but he's rushing for between 85 and 110. So it's like, you know, so of course he's a dual threat quarterback. I think if you play the if you if they were to play the Ravens and they don't have a guy on Lamar Jackson, they're insane. Because I, I know I, that their defense isn't a spy, but he's like a running back. They they would they would literally play the front. Um, they would play if they were if and I can tell you I my thought process on it would be like they would just play a base defense and they'd string Lamar Jackson out all the way across the field. They would not let him – they wouldn't rush him. Right. They wouldn't get past him, so to speak. They would never – like, they played the same way with um, Patrick Mahomes, where they didn't run up the field past him. Right. So you, you keep him in front of you the whole time and just, you know, obviously they played zone on, on Terry Kill and they played zone on Travis Kelsey and they, and they did one-on-one. But against – I guess what Lamar Jackson has, they'll, they'll let him throw. They'll be like, no, throw. Go ahead, throw all over the field. Right. <laughs> they, they won't let him. I mean, they will They will not let him. I mean, there'll be design runs, obviously, that Harbaugh will use, but I would assume that they would be like, no, um, we'd rather you just throw back there and not do anything. Yeah. So kind of segueing into our next kind of one of our final portions of the interview with Levin, um, let's go over some, you know, regular season MVP awards. Uh, I guess okay. we could start with offensive MVP. I think it's pretty clear for me, at least it's James White. I mean, what this guy did, especially, I know he's been quiet kind of the last couple of weeks of the year, maybe, you know, saving his workload because he was career high in, in, you know, snaps and career high in pretty much every total the whole, like after week 10. But for me, it's mm-hmm. James White. I, I say it every week. I don't know where this season would be without this guy. I mean, he, he pretty much saved them through that rut they went through offensively. He was really the only guy going. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say, too. I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I mean, White, White's a he's, a he's a tempting guy to choose. Um, but I'm actually going to go with Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle had almost 1,000 yards rushing. Uh, you know, clearly was hurt for a few games, didn't play um, every snap of every game. But he was a difference maker when he was on the field. You know, just having him – as a back back there that could pick up some serious yardage, um, you know, and his vision in the hole, I think is very good. He's made some explosive plays. He very rarely is he taken down by the first contact, which is nice. And that's good sure. to see from a running back. Uh, it's definitely a, a change. I know Dion Lewis thinks that the Patriots didn't spend on running backs. Um, yeah, but, but he's I, also watching the game, so that so he is. That's very him. true. That's very true. But I mean, if you ask Belichick, they spent a ton. They used a first round pick yeah. on, a, on a running back. So you know, to me, yeah, Dion Lewis may not have been the answer, but they said we need a guy that can come in and carry the rock. And I think that he can do that. And I think he's kind of shown that he can. I'd like to see him more involved in the passing game. I think that might be coming. Maybe that will be coming in the playoffs. I don't know, but. Uh, but I like what I've seen from him a lot. Okay, so I, I, both your choices are are excellent. I'm just going to pick something different. 
and I think I'm going to go with Cordero Patterson. Only reason is because when they couldn't run the ball, they handed the ball off to Cordero Patterson, and he ran the ball for them. He was able to help them out in uh, as an offensive player in the special teams game where, he, where there was a game where I actually thought they were going to lose, and I guess it was against Chicago where he ran back a touchdown. And then in Miami, even in the loss, he was able to find his receiver game. The end-around game is off. They've been able to use him so many different ways um, to help out their offense and to, to give them stopgaps that um, even when there was a low with James White, even when Sonny Michelle was out, um, it was Cordero Patterson. He just, I mean, I think this game he missed against the Jets was the first game he missed in like, like 84 games or some weird number. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say Cordero Patterson because – he came in, and there wasn't, you know, there was always so much, well, how are you going to use them? And they're using them every chance they get in any way they can possibly use them. So I, I'll say Cordero Patterson. And I, and I agree, too. I love I love him. I, he's such a football player. I think they could yeah. put him at cornerback, and he'd be great. Like, great. <laughs> he can do everything. And when they, when they like traded he, for him, I was is, like, He eh. is everything that that Belichick, Belichick wants in a player, meaning, exactly. hey, what, can you play running back? Sure. Hey, can you play wide receiver? Sure. Hey, can you play tight end? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, can you, you know, like, right. he's just doing whatever they need him to do. So that's the only guy I will say. The ironic thing about Patterson is that he was obviously involved in that trade where they got Logan Ryan and yeah. Josh Boyce and uh, who was the third-round pick that they ended up with? Oh, was it was – it, uh, was it one of the backs? I forget I who they got. So. They got a, they got a second, a third, a fourth, and a seventh for for that pick. And I know yeah. the seventh they traded to Tampa for Legarrette Blunt. The second round pick was was Logan Ryan. I, I can't remember who the heck the third. Well, round I don't pick think they was. got Patterson. I mean, they just traded from last year. I thought I didn't. No, no, no. I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the draft. He was drafted oh, okay, number okay, okay. twenty nine by Minnesota. Minnesota traded up with the Patriots, and the Patriots got back. Yeah, that's right. A second, right, third, right. fourth, and seventh, and they like acquired all this talent and I feel like all those guys now are gone and Patterson's back on the Patriots almost like they never yeah, made the trade you know what I mean exactly. Exactly. so but, uh Patterson's been interesting he's been a revelation because he's a guy that was really a bust you know if you look at him and you'd say he's a bust because he never really did anything in Minnesota and the Patriots have used him the correct way exactly where they've kind of put him all over the field and, and that's what you have to do he's not He's not going to run the route tree. He's just not. That's not who he is. But he can do he's everything. Not well. He's not a future guy. He just wants right. to be able to touch on everything well. Yeah. yeah. So, so switching uh, it over to defensive MVP, as much as I'd love to say J.C. Jackson, just because he's been so awesome. <laughs> and, and Stephon Gilmore, too. Incredible. Like, all pro. Probably a top. He, he can make an argument he's the best cornerback in football this year. Like, realistically, sure. the numbers prove it. But, I, you know, I have to say Trey Flowers. This guy's been a beast all year. I say it. He lives in the – like, every play, he's in the backfield. Like, he's close. If he doesn't sack you, he's close. If he doesn't stop the running back behind the line, he's close. Like, he does everything. This guy – and granted, I don't even know because Claiborne has been terrible this year. Derek Rivers has been a bust. Their pass Total rush bust. hasn't been great. And he mm-hmm. – I mean, he is their pass rush. You know, you see how bad they look when I, when he's not on the field. He does everything mm-hmm. well. He's, you know, probably a top edge rusher, and they better pay him because he better be here for a long time. Exactly. Well, that's now, Levin, before you go into your guy, because I'm not going to make you go third in the defensive MVP because that's just not fair. But, but, um, <laughs> do you think that they'll, do you think they'll pay him? Because, yeah, I've gone back and forth with a few people on Twitter about this. I think 
he is Richard Seymour. I really feel that way because he's not he Richard Seymour. He's not. Richard. I don't know if he's Richard Seymour, but um, but I, I'm not saying he's not. He's not close. Right. I'm not saying he's not close. He's. I mean, I, I will say this. Um, he's of the draft picks they've had in the last couple of years. He is by far the best. And if they don't pay him, there are coaches out there who are waiting to pay him. Right. I'll put it that way. Like around in the coaching circles, everybody knows who Trey Flowers is. It is not yeah. a secret. <laughs> Everyone knows how much of a beast he is. It's not. It's it's a big thing in the coaching circles. I think uh, when they did the analytics breakdown, I think he's ranked number one as a defensive player right now, or at least a defensive right. lineman. And D four from Kansas City is ranked number two. Um, Trey Flowers yeah, yeah. is a beast. Uh, Trey Flowers is a beast. My, I'll pick my defensive play. And this is, by the way, this is my team MVP. Um, okay. Is, is Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore is my team MVP. And the only reason I'm saying that is everyone's like, well, his, his interception numbers and this and that. And I, I will say this. Stephon plays a game that I haven't seen played in a long time where the ball never gets to you. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. I don't know how he – but he always is there to knock the ball down. So the ball never gets to the receiver. Um, so that so the, he kind of lets you know that that side of the field is done and you should try to go elsewhere. And it has given them the opportunity to use J.C. Jackson, to use Jason McCourty, to get rid of Eric Rowe, to, to, yeah. uh, to, to use different guys on that other side. Because, honestly, I, 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 so that game, do you, like I realized his worth when they lost to Tennessee because their game plan was well if remember he was having problems with um mm -hmm. the kid Corey, Corey. the kid yeah Corey, Corey Davis, Davis yeah and and I remember going in the locker room afterwards talking about it and they were like well if if Stefan's having a problem Stefan's having a problem we're not we're not helping Stefan and I was like yeah they're right like his yeah. game plan is you stop this dude and that's it <laughs> okay we right. are not helping you so and that's his work. So if he has a problem, they then they have a problem because they're not gonna they're not gonna do anything, and that's how they see him. They're they're not trying to help him at all. Um, I think Trey is spectacular. Um, I really do. I think Trey is just absolutely spectacular. I just think Stefan from this year, from last year to what he's given them from the end of last year Super Bowl and now has been just better than anything they've had in a long time. Yeah. No, I like it. And I'll tell you what, it's, uh, he's, I mean, he's an unbelievable pick and I, I think, uh, team MVP, I like that too. So that'll be one of the categories. So we already have you guys, yeah. so you can, you can talk more, you can glow more about him if you'd like at that point. But, uh, <laughs> but now here I am third man on the defensive, on the defensive MVP. And I'm like, who the hell am I going to pick? But I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path here. I'm going to go with Kyle Van Noy. And the Good thing about you. Van Noy. Good for you. Yeah, you know, I just, I, I love, the way he's played this year. And he got a lot of crap in the last few years. And the, the big thing about Van Noy is that in his spot, he's extremely good. And he's had a fantastic this year this year. And he's played better than he's played even in years past. But in his yep. spot, he's really good. If you put him into Hightower's spot, if Hightower gets hurt and he has to play the middle that Hightower plays, he's just not that good. He's okay at it. But he's just not that good at it. And so... That's why I think he struggled in the past because he's been playing out of position just out of necessity because Hightower got hurt. Now he's in the position that he does well in. 
He's flourished. He's covered well. He's rushed the passer he well. He obviously yeah. had the you know the uh, the fumble recovery for a touchdown. He's one of those guys, and he reminds me. And you know, clearly, he's not on this level, but he reminds me of guys like Vrabel and like Bruschi because he seems to come up with a big play when they need it. Not that yeah, he's the best he's player on the field. And yeah, exactly. He's and not being around the ball. Right. And that's the type of thing that is huge for them. Certainly in the playoffs is huge for them. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him make a big play, you know, in one of these games that they play in the, in the postseason, whether it's tipping a pass that someone else picks off or a strip sack or, you know, intercepting a pass or something like that, or he's around the ball making a play because that's what he's done all year. And so, a little bit off the path, a little bit. I mean, obviously, as as you guys said, like those two are the are the, are the number two, one and two, Flowers and and. I, I will, I will say this to you. I will say this for you. He is their emotional guy. I, yes. He calls this time the money time. He says he's like, look, we don't get playing with the Patriots. You don't get a ton of cash or anything like that, but you do when you make the playoffs. So this right. is the money time. And he's like, he's like, we're getting paid this week. We're not even playing. <laughs> <laughs> This is the cash flow time. He says, he says it all the time. He's yeah. like, and he, he's just so good about it, about understanding what this is all about and understanding the postseason and everything like that. That's a huge, huge pick. Good call. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna actually start off with uh, with most disappointing. And there's a few guys on the list that we could go. You know, there's there's a few different spots that we could kind of go to. Uh, my number one. Is gonna have to be is gonna have to be Chris Hogan for the season, and the mm-hmm. biggest thing for me is that he's and and really it's really to no fault of Hogan, he's on the field, and a lot of times he's open, and for yep. whatever reason they're just not giving him the ball. I mean he was on the field for sixty two snaps, I think it was the Bills game, Nothing. right? 60, 62 yeah. snaps without a target, and it's like what are we doing here? He's on the field for every single play basically of, of the offense and he doesn't get one target, he's got to be open. And there were plays where he was open and Brady looked somewhere else or Brady, you know, threw to someone else and, and wasn't looking his way. And that was alarming for me because it was like, has he lost trust in Hogan? And I didn't know, you know, I don't know. I mean, did he hit on Giselle at the, at the Christmas party or like what happened where like all of a sudden he was like this hugely targeted guy last year and he's not even looking his way and I just kind of, you know, it was it was concerning for me. Now he obviously had some targets last game and played pretty well. He had eleven. Did he have eleven targets last game? I think I saw. Well, eleven so targets targeted, last game. Yeah, he targeted him a lot, which is good. But I think that's when Brady's at his best is when he's just throwing the ball to the open guy. And sometimes it's going to be Hogan because he's going to get some of that, you know, different coverages looked at him, especially if you have you know White coming out of the backfield and if Gronk is healthy. And, you know, and obviously you have Edelman. So, but he's a guy that's, you know, and again, maybe not his fault, but he definitely had a disappointing season. I'll go. I'll do my most disappointing. And this is a personal thing because I feature two guys in in training camp. I featured two guys that I thought were going to make a big jump and neither Jacob Hollister or Derek Rivers did anything. This season, and I, I think they wanted Jacob Hollister to do something, like, yeah. so, and they talked about him like he was going to, and then when the lights went on, he turtled. And Derek Rivers, there was parts of that. I mean, he has arms like Willie McGinnis, and he just gets his first sack in the last game. Really? 
I'm like, I, I just can't understand how either one of those two just were not part of the regular equation. Bad or good, but on the right. field would be important, <laughs> you know, and ne- they, neither one of them could get on the field to play on a consistent basis, and it just was like, and I'm, I'm positive they thought they were going to be out there sooner than, than they are now or be a bigger part of it, especially Jacob Hollister. Otherwise, they wouldn't have kept three tight ends. Right. You know, I, I totally expected that he was going to do a little bit more, and he has not. And, I mean, they didn't even put Derek Rivers into – how many games did he not play? Like, like oh, how many games was he just not active at all? Um, I don't think they needed him as a practice player. I thought they wanted him to be a player player. And right. all of a sudden, he was just not there. So those are the two guys for me. Well, I think with Rivers, you know, Rivers get got his shot because Claiborne had been so bad that they had yeah. no choice but to sit Claiborne. And then they say, okay, well, now we sit Claiborne, so who else is there? we got to play Derek Rivers. And, you know, he finally got his first sack, like you said, but he's done nothing. And, I mean, my God, you, you're right about those two. And for me, a perfect segue, Pat. For me, you know how we feel about Adrian Claiborne on this podcast, but he's been brutal. I mean, you came into the year thinking, you know, they'd have these two monsters with flowers and then Claiborne set in the edge. He's had two and a half sacks this year, scratched the last two games, you know, was one of their, like, you know, highly touted signings over the offseason, and he just hasn't panned out. You know, I believe it was a two-year deal, so I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of maybe part ways at the end of the year, but I'm hoping he can turn it around if he, if he, if he, if he even is active in the uh, playoffs. Because, I mean, you've seen the talent he's had. I mean, he's had good years, yeah. and he just didn't didn't pan out. So, for me, I mean, with the, the expectations he had, he's got to be the most disappointing. Yeah. I I don't know if he just didn't fit the system. I'm not yeah. sure what happened. You know the talent like, there. He's a first-round pick. He, I don't know if he wants to, to hold the edge like they need him to. And, right. again, like the Patriots' offense is set on – defense, I should say. It's set on pressure. They're not really – trying to sack the quarterback. Like, right. But it tells you how good of a sack guy uh, Chandler Jones was, because I think he had like 10 sacks one season, and then he goes to Arizona, he gets like 15 or 16 sacks. I mean, it's, right. it's, it, like that's what Trey Flowers would do, too. If Trey Flowers went to another team, he'd get like 12 and a half to 13 sacks, because they're asking Trey, hey, could you set the edge? And then when they run a game, where they, they have Trey run through the middle of the field, is where he gets the most of his sacks, but He's not. I mean, Trey wants to do whatever they want him to do. Where maybe Adrian thought they right. could rush the passer a little bit more, and he's not comfortable setting the edge. I mean, you you know who was who was. It was funny to hear. You remember Chris Long? Chris Long was he was like, "I'll do yeah. it for one season," and then he was like, "I got to get out of here because I'm not comfortable. This is not my game." <laughs> and but for one season, right. he set the edge for them. And then what? Then he was like, "I, I have yeah. to rush the passer," and he went to Philly. And he was like, "That's that's not this is not my game." Uh, and I get it. Some guys are just not comfortable right. doing it. So. Well, and I think that's. I mean, that's a good point, right? I mean, it's just not. It's just not in some guys' game. I mean, you look at. I, I think that that was one of their biggest flaws was setting the edge all year long, and now the last two yeah. games. And look, I know it's been the Bills and the Jets, but like even still, they're setting the edge. You can't just run to the outside on them anymore. Which, if I were an opposing offense, I'd just run 37 sweeps against them because they could never stop it. It's, they would never set the edge, and they'd pick up 8 to 10 yards every time. And it's like, just I'm sitting there watching it. Like, all day long, doing? just run away. Like, right. Just tell Trey, yeah. you, there was no reason for you to come out here. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. No reason for you to come out here, Trey. <laughs> oh, oh absolutely. God. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, 
So the next category is most surprising. So this is going to be obviously kind of like disappointing, but the opposite side of it. So surprising in a good way, uh, most surprising in a good way. So look, there's, and there's a few different places you could kind of go with this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little, a little uh, different. I'm going to go with James Devlin here because James, James Devlin is a guy. He's He's a a beast. I love him. And I, I look, I love Devlin, and I think everyone loves Devlin. He's a he's a fullback, and like who doesn't love fullbacks? But like, man, like all of a sudden they got to the goal line and they were like, we're just gonna give the ball to Devlin like five straight times, and he's gonna score every time we give him the ball. And he's one of those guys that's an emotional leader, just like you were talking about Van Noy. He's an mm-hmm. emotional leader on the field. He's another, he's like a sixth lineman on the field at all times. But now he's actually scoring and they're throwing it to him on the outside and they're doing all different things with him. And, you know, when he gets on the field and they're in an eye formation and then, you know, they break the huddle and he split out wide and the defense is like, what the hell are we doing? Like, we, we don't know what's going on. And the defense sure. has no idea what's happening. And so he's become one of those guys that he's been playing more than usual. And I think that that kind of, you know, you want to look at it as a reflection on Brady. Fine. I don't care. But like, I think that they're more committed to the run. So he's been playing more, but because he's been playing more, they've been using him in different ways than just a traditional fullback. And so that's been really fun to see, I think. And so, yeah, I knew he was good. I loved him already, but like what he's brought to the offense this year has definitely been a little bit of a surprise for a guy that hadn't carried the ball in four years. Now he's got what, four touchdowns this year? Yep. So Okay. I, I could do two players on this, and I, but one of them, one of them, um, most surprising, uh, and I'll say it real quick. Uh, Josh Gordon was one of the most surprising, only because I, it was amazing how somebody could catch on so quickly on the offense and yep. just be a huge part of it. Uh, you know, four, like I forget how many touchdowns, three touchdowns, and you know as many yards as he had, and just played for eleven games. I didn't think it was going to work out as long as it did, but. For most surprising for me, I'm going to go with the Dante Scarnecchia's guys, the whole offensive line. I'm going to kind of say what you said about that. But for those guys, I mean, Tom Brady's been checked what, like, has he been checked 15 times? Yeah, maybe not. You know, like, I mean, Dave and Andrews. It's uh, not to cut you off. I just want to add in. It's it's like such a low key stat, too, because I really didn't even think of it until you just brought that up, that they've been so good. Joe Thune has played yeah. every single snap the whole year. You know that? Joe Thune played every single snap the whole year. I mean, we're talking about a, a Skarniecki, but I mean, Tom Brady is on the bottom. I think he's 29th in like getting sacked or something like that. It's a weird yeah. number for a guy with, with, you know, who hurt himself because they ran a dumb play. Well, not because he right. got sacked, it was because they ran a dumb play and that's how he hurt himself. I right. mean, I, I just think, and. Because of the way, like you've just said, they've had to run the ball. We haven't seen them run the ball like this before. Not yeah. a long time where they would just strict, like, hand the ball off, get up the field. And then they were doing jet sweeps, get up the field. And whether it be Trent Brown stepping in and, and getting the job done, I just think the offensive line um, going in, you never knew. You Maybe you thought they could pass block. But, I mean, run block was never a Patriots thing forte. They just didn't have it. And for Sony to get almost a thousand yards, for you know James Devlin to get as many touchdowns, for them to run with Cordell Patterson and do that stuff, yeah. and all you're saying is they just made those holes. Tooney plays every game. Shaq Mason is maybe the best point guard in the league. <laughs> right. In the league. You know, I mean, and David Andrews doesn't miss games. 
David Andrews is in his games. Yeah. Um, I just think their offensive line is, is as surprising, if not underrated. I agree. And, you know, I was kind of going to go with Trent Brown, but I like that whole mm-hmm. group collectively. I think they've all been great. For me, it's got to be, you know, J.C. Jackson. He ranks third in pro football, um, pro football focus, you know, those those grades they do every year and, you know, lowest, sure. um, you know, rating when throwing against them. I mean, undrafted guy, Belichick's had those gems he's found, and this guy's been everything is advertised. I mean, there was a thing, you know, during training camp. Was he even going to make the team or not? And he stepped in, and, you know, over the last, I'd say, what, two two months, two and a half months, he's, you know, gained more and more trust in that defense. And heading into the postseason, I have trust in him to be that number two cornerback. He shut down Juju Smith-Schuster. What was it, four catches for, like, 48 yards? I mean, and, and Juju's one of the top receivers in the league. We know that. And he did Without a great question. job on him. He's fantastic. Yeah. I, I like I like Jackson mainly because he makes mistakes. And, like, young guys make mistakes and they get down on themselves. But his confidence is so good that he makes mistakes and coaches like, no, get back out there. Get back out there. Finish it. Mm-hmm. Finish it. And he just – he's able to be like a closer and just, you know, like, okay, I blew it. Let's go back out there and finish it again. You know, and right. that's what they need. They need that. So, and he has to know going in too. Like he and Jason McCordy, they got to know. They're going to see it. <laughs> okay, because no one is going to side. No, so they're gonna you're see right. All the action. <laughs> so, like when they're going in, they're looking for you, and you have to. And I'm sure that they're, they're like, look, if you get tired, we have to spell. But that side of the ball is going to get seen a lot. So. You're right. It's it's a very good point. And and Levin to finish it up. I know you gave us a, um, you kind of gave it the sneak peek ahead of time. You you told us your team MVP. Um, I'll, I'll listen again one. and let us know why. Go ahead. Um, okay, if, if, I'll say this. I'll say this. I, I love Stephon Gilmore only because um, I don't know if there was it has been any player on this team, core player, who has not had. I, I don't think Steph's had an up and down season. I think Steph has missed had one bad game where Corey Davis beat him, and I think other than that, he's been shut down. Um, but if you really want to know, I will say this. Between Stante Skarnecchia and Josh McDaniels having to change what the offense looks like and, and, and make it fix, um, for that group to go 11-5, and five, and they don't have Julian Edelman for four games, Gronk is not Gronk, they had to bring in – I mean, if you remember, when they started the season, their wide receivers were Dorsett, Hogan, and Cordero Patterson. That was their wide receivers. That was what they were rolling out there. Right. And they were trying to make that work. Um, for the, I mean, those guys can be called MVPs. I think, like, I, I remember thinking, oh, Josh McDaniels is not going to get another job because he turned down this job and da-da-da-da-da. And then I'm sure they looked at what he did with this team this year, and they were like, yeah, we're going to give him another chance. <laughs> 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 These dudes, I don't know how they're yeah. making it work, you know. And so I, I will say between I'll give two to the coaching staff on MVPs because Dante just does what Dante does, and I, I can't even imagine what Bill Belichick when he went to him and when he retired and Bill was like, "Look, I need you to come back, please. I need you to come back. What do you need? Well, I don't even know why I'm talking so much. Just come back right now. You know, just we had this guy Dave. I can't say his last name. Just come back, Dante. Just oh yeah, yikes. <laughs> so I mean. Now, I'll tell you what, Skarnakia is one of those guys. I like my dream, like my goal. <laughs> in, I, I'm, I'm serious. Like my goal for this whole Patriots thing is to just be able to interview Skarnakia because Skarnakia is interesting. So I'm a teacher. I teach. I teach high school math, and uh, I went to. I went to a. Uh, I used to coach, 
back before I had kids and I have no time, but, but, um, but I used to coach and I went to a coaching clinic with Scar and Scar was talking about how, you know, he always thought he'd be a high school history teacher and, you know, coach football in high school and everything like that. And he's like, obviously it led me down a different path. And I'm like, he just seems like the coolest guy ever. And I'm like, I just want to like sit down and interview him. Like, he just seems like a cool guy. So I'm like one day, you know, you never know. So I better get started. I gained, I gained, I like, I didn't know a lot about him and it was, um, and I, you know, you know a lot about it, but I didn't know how cool he was, like you just said, until yeah. Randy Moss went into the Hall of Fame. And Randy yeah. Moss was talking about Scar. Right. <laughs> and I was like, Randy? Randy yeah. was talking about Scar and how Scar made an impact on his life and his game. And I was like, because right? Randy never wanted to block, and Scar taught him how to block. Cool. Um, yeah, you know, crazy. as a wide receiver. And I was like, man, Scar's a bad boy. This <laughs> guy's <laughs> <laughs> a bad man. Yeah, yeah. Right. He's older than uh, all of us, and he could probably kick all of our butts. That guy. <laughs> I don't want to get him that. He, he still swims like ten miles a day. Oh, it's like a weird, I mean, it's just, it's you know, he's just you know, like I, I, there's a point where you're just showing off. You know, yeah. you're like, Dude, stop doing that. Stop showing off. Stop that. You know, <laughs> him and Ernie, Ernie Adams getting like a concussion the day before the Super Bowl. Goes know, out right. there with a towel on his head and, and continues practicing. Those two guys. Exactly. He's just, yeah. He's. I'll he's tell you what, man. He's one of those guys. Him and you know, he's the guy that's kind of stuck around. Him and and, and Fears have been here forever. And Fears hasn't been here as long forever. as him. But you know, those guys have just been here forever. And you know, it says something about them that you know the coaches coach after coach after coach kept them on the roster, even though, you know, they were, there was turnover and he's coached every coach special teams and all that other stuff. So, um, but it's, it's, it's a fascinating situation. So uh, my team MVP, it's a toss up and I, I'm going to, I'm going to give two, you did two. So I'm going to give two as well. I'm going to give okay. them to the, I'm going to give them to the safeties uh, McCordy yeah. and, and Harmon because McCordy is, he is the lifeblood of this team. I really feel like he is the leader of the team. He's the guy that, you know, and Slater, I mean, is one of those guys too, but I feel like, you know, McCordy has always been one of those guys and Harmon, Harmon might be the most underrated player in the entire league. When people talk about, Oh, he stinks and he's this and he's that. And it's like, the guy has 12 fourth quarter interceptions since 2013, 12. That's not an accident. Yeah. Like people are like, well, he's just in the run. No, it's not like it's a ball just gets tits up in the air and he and he picks it off. Sometimes that happens, but a lot of times it's because he's there and he's yeah. around the ball and he's making plays. And so it's like that guy is criminally underrated. And it's so funny because I, you know, I have season tickets and we sit there and, and my dad and I will he runs on the field and we're like, Malcolm? And we're like, no, no, wait a second. Okay, it's a harm. It's crazy, but but he's played fantastic all year long. He's another one of those guys that gets no credit. And McCordy's a guy that's, you know, he's been up in, you know, pro football focus and stuff. And people have talked about him as an elite, as an elite safety. I don't know quite as much this year, but he's another guy that's underrated, under the radar. And, you know, you just, you need guys to have an elite defense. And I don't know if the Patriots have an elite defense, but to have a really good defense the back end of your defense has to be strong. And that means the corners, but also the safeties because they need that help over the top. And those two uh, have been fantastic. So that's, that's where I'm going with my team MVP. You can even throw in, you can even throw in. I mean, if you talk to coach, he thinks that Patrick Chung is one of the best players in the league. You know that. He says it openly. He's like, he's like, he even says, he said, I coached him wrong the first time he's here. Now I got it. 
Yeah. Like he, I mean, he says it openly. He messed up the first time when Pat was here. You know, he considers Pat one of the, and I and like to watch guys talk about it. Like I've heard those guys say, like when Chung goes down, he was like, he's one of those guys we really can't replace. <laughs> you know, yeah. we just, we, just, we it, don't do uh, what he does. A funny one on a funny thing on Chung too. Before I give mine, I think it was Michael Vick talking about it on on some show about you know they were you know talking about the Patriot way and, and Belichick and everything and Michael Vick said I never understood it until I met Patrick Chung because Chung was mm-hmm. obviously here and then he left I think for what a year or two and the whole time yeah. he was gone he was like Mike I gotta go back I gotta go back I gotta go back I, I I'm not and once I get the and then when he did go back he was like I'm never leaving. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere else. This is my place. I'm not leaving. <laughs> so yeah. I, maybe that's why Belichick loves him too. But I mean, you're right. He's he's awesome. He's you know, kind of that quarterback in that defense back there and does everything for him. Yeah. Um, for me, mine's probably a little lame, and and you can call me biased or not, but it's Tom Brady every year. He's the team MVP. You can't do anything without him. I know he's had a down year, if you say. His numbers aren't that far off from his MVP last year. And I think he's handled a lot of critics this year, uh, more so than not. I mean, you can tell a little bit, might have got a little frustrated with the media and everything. And, and definitely, you know, not a Tom Brady-esque season, you know, from his liking, from our liking. And I think he handled it just fine. You know, I mean, there was a tough stretch there where it was like, what's going on? And I do think he's he's 100% playing hurt. And for a guy to be able to battle through that at his age, the amount of hits he's taken, it earns a lot of respect from me. And, and you know, I know his teammates love him, I think. Till he hangs him up, he's the MVP of that team. If you want to see someone who, you know, most valuable to that team is Tom Brady. I will say this. I don't think he's playing her anymore. Meaning yeah. uh, that last game against the Jets, there was more, mo- mo- you know. And That's I, true. It's yeah, not no, about I, him. I hear you. When he, when he rolled out and hit, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, Dorsett, uh, yeah. Philip Dorsett. That was like, okay, I haven't seen that. And then when he missed Hogan, he jumped through the air. Um, like, like you know, like you know, I was like, okay, his knee's fine now. Let's stop this now. His knee's he's more than okay. And I would also say this: I'm not sure, and you guys would know this better than I am. How many of those interceptions did he have came off guys' hands? Right. Actually, someone right. someone put it out there. I think six of them were through a guy's yeah, hands like, or, or wrong. And route, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not sure. I, like, I don't know. I think everything we've talked about today could go into the situation where you're talking about the demise or like where people are judging him. I shouldn't say even demise. Like we've talked about Gronk kind of taking a step backwards. We've talked about Julian Edelman kind of not doing everything. Well, those are his two main guys. Those right. are his two main guys. And then all of a sudden they're not healthy. And then one of them misses four games and they're not all the way they need to do. And with that being said, if the, maybe they did take into account, like you said, his age, we're going to run the ball a little bit more. We're just going to run the ball a little bit more. So we don't need to throw the ball around the park. So I, I, he's always like somebody was trying to tell me, well, he's like um, in the top fifteen. I was like top fifteen. <laughs> like, are you serious? Like top eight, top six? I mean, top fifteen. I'm not. There's not. There's not like that many fourteen guys ahead of him who are no. you know. I don't care what focus group you're looking at. There's not fourteen guys better than he is. So no, I mean right now. I mean, look, you can make an argument that he's not top five. I guess. But, like, right. I don't think anyone's keeping him out of the top 10 at right. I mean, you can't honestly tell me that there are 10 quarterbacks in the league that you'd rather have over Tom Brady right now. That's just insane. And no. I know I know he's old. I, I get it. But, like, I mean, come on. That's just that's just silly. So, you know. Okay. But people, I have this argument all the time with friends, and I was because they were like, well, I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers. And I said, so have a good time going 6 and 10. 
Because I'm not taking that. And you right. have a good time. And I'm like, they're like, well, I'd rather have Drew Brees. I'm like, yes. But I, I will honestly tell you that Drew Brees has missed the playoffs more times than Tom Brady, you know, has ever. Yeah. And Tom Brady doesn't do that. It just doesn't happen. I get if you want to have him. He's having a great season. But next season, he's going to go for a 12. Yeah, no, it's 100% true. And I think I think the big thing with Brady, and it's interesting with his age, and, you know, people talk about his age and, and everything else. And I think – what he's doing is unprecedented as far as as far as how well he played this year. I, what I think is interesting, I did a little bit of research before the season. Warren Moon had a competent season when he was 41. He wasn't great, but he was okay. Nobody has ever done it past 41. Once they hit that 42 year, there's nobody. And there's a, Moon played the next year and he was trash. So there's nobody that's ever done it. I think that was the year Warren Moon went to to Seattle and he was like bench halfway to the year is awful. So this, this year, you know, obviously it's unprecedented how well he's playing next year. He'll be the first quarterback ever to be competent at 42. Never mind play well to be competent at 42 in the history of the NFL. So like when you talk about groundbreaking stuff, I mean, that to me is something that clearly he's playing better than any, any quarterback his age has ever played but he'll be the first one ever at 42 next year if he can do it. And that would be even more impressive to me than what he's done this year. Let me do a a crazy hot take. Crazy, crazy hot take. Obviously, the Patriots have to get a backup quarterback. They just obviously have to get a quarterback next year. Right. I'm going to say, this is my crazy, absolutely stunning, could be the nuts, going to have to check me in a cup (laughs) hot take. Um, I think... um, they look at Blake Bortles next year. Hey, they might. Uh, that's my thing. And my thought process when I thought, and I, I'll give you an idea why, is because Belichick tends to gravitate to guys that he has trouble beating. Right. And Blake Bortles puts it on the Patriots. Even when they lost in the AFC Championship game, Blake Bortles put it on them. So I, I always think that Bill looks at it and goes, man, I can get this dude, and, 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 and I can get him the way I want to get him, meaning, Oh, you're trying to get rid of him? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bill likes guys. Is a fifth round pick, <laughs> you <know>? right? <laughs> you're trying to get rid of him? You know that that's the Randy Moss, that's the Brandon Cooks. Yep. Oh, you don't want him anymore? That's the right. Corey Dillon. That's the Legarrette Blunt. You know, okay. I'll, I mean, I'll take him off your hand. You know, that's how he got. It's, uh, so you know, Revis. Um, so I bet I'm 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 because you got to get somebody better than Hoyer, right? Um, that to, would be awesome. Back up. <laughs> I would, I would, I would. The boat, man. I would love the boat. You'd have the goat and the boat on the same team. It'd be awesome. I mean, exactly. it'd just be, yeah. it'd be great. And you know, just PFT and uh, and Big Cat signing off on it would be cool enough for me. So that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, that would be cool. So now, one thing before we wrap up, because we do want to, we do want to wrap up. But one thing we haven't talked about this. It's funny. The last guest we had was Jerry Thornton, but we recorded the interview the night before the Gordon news drop. So we've never actually talked mm-hmm. about the whole Gordon thing. I ended up going back and recording something separately. Cause I was like, well, we have to say something about it. But my question to you is, and, and you mentioned how he caught on the offense so quickly, faster than mm-hmm. any, faster than any veteran receiver has ever caught onto the offense. I mean, no Absolutely. guy has ever come in here and done what he's done in a short, in as short a period of time as he's done, certainly without the benefit of an off season. 
Yeah. Right, exactly. And so so I just wonder, and I don't know what the league punishment's gonna be, but do you think as long as he's eligible to come back, that Gordon will be back on this team next year? I don't know. I wish he would. And I can tell you from being in the locker room, um, they want him to come back. Right. I mean, it's, 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 and I, I think Gordon's, how would you put it? Every, like, there's a lot of guys in that locker room and there's a lot of us who have people who have problems in their families, right. friends, or whatever. And I think for them, even talking to like Devin LaCordy, Slater, and all those guys, um, they wanted to see a win. You know, you want to see somebody go with, who's going through something win. That's a human right. feeling. And when it went down the wrong way and something went wrong, guys were genuinely sad. They weren't mad at him because they, they kind of understood what he's going through and that like, he's fighting and everything. Guys were just sad. And, I mean, his locker is still there. They're not taking it down. Bill Belichick talked about him glowingly, and he was sad because he's been through the whole thing with, with Lawrence Taylor and understanding how that is. And it's tough. It really is tough. And they took a flyer on him. And like I said, listen, maybe it would be naive for anyone to think that he could get through the season. But you, but you had hope. You obviously thought you right. had hope. And you got to live it. Like, in your thoughts, I think their thoughts was like, look, if you can get through the season, then get through the off season, And then all you really have to worry about is the season again. And you've already gotten through a season. So you can right. have something to build on. Stack um, things on top of here, and right. it's, it's, it's such a weird thing that, when, when they were talking about the bye week and he was, you know, he had some people with him for 24-7, the, 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 the security people said that they, we can't account for like two, it was like two to seven minutes they couldn't account for. That's and I was crazy. like, what? And, and that's where either an exchange happened or anything like that. And again, like, it's, it's, he was so comfortable here, which is maybe why that happened again. Or, you know, it could be anything. Who am I to know? I don't know. I don't know. Right. But right. Um, I, I just feel like he was, he was so happy here. And it, the, everyone who knows him will tell you he was extremely happy here. That's why he caught on to the offense. And that's why, you know, Tom Brady was able to spend so much time with him and get better at it. And that's why – and I, I, a lot of it, too, I, like we – I can tell you early on I thought something was going to go wrong, and it didn't because he's not allowed to take pills um, because he has an addictive personality. So they can't give right. him a pain shot. And remember, he broke, not broke his finger, but he jammed his finger. That's right. And I was like, well, this could be a problem here. And that's immediately when I was like, this could be a bigger problem. Right. Because he can't take anything to alleviate that pain, so he's got to kind of fight through that and get through it. And that's why – I didn't, I didn't even know that. I didn't even – wow. Yeah. That's, that's why they were so careful with the hamstring for so long. They were like, look, because we can't give you anything. Right. Because you're, you, you know, because we can't, that, that's nothing you might abuse. So we have to kind of let you fight through it. So I thought there'll be, a, and then he got through that. And I was like, okay, okay. So then maybe he'll be clear. It's, it's just one of those things. It's just one of those yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Tough situation. I mean, I think, I think, yeah. you know, what you say is a hundred percent correct. Like we'd all love to see him back. I think, I mean, as a play, as a football player, I mean, he's unbelievable. His, his are amazing. And, and you know what the thing is? You know what the, really the thing is for him that, that separates him from other guys? Look, we see a lot of guys that will, you know, run really good routes and get open and, you know, are fast and everything else. But he's the type of guy that will go up and go get the football through traffic. And those guys are so rare 
when that ball goes up, he's going to get it. And I feel like, especially for the Patriots, they haven't had a guy like that since Randy Moss. I thought that yeah. um, the kid from Marshall was going to be like that. Um, oh, Dobson. Dobson, whatever. And he, and he I, just, I, 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 you know how many times I thought he was so going to be a player? Soft. <laughs> oh, so soft. It was so it yeah. frustrated the hell out of me. And that's, but that's what I, you I'll, I'll tell you a real quick story about, uh, but Josh Gordon, real quick, and I'll, I'll get you get back. And it was when I, when everything happened, I called Dino Babers, and Dino Babers, uh, he's I coach Syracuse now, but he was Josh Gordon's uh, position coach at, at Baylor, and I was just like, hey, just talk to me about him, and he was like, Levin. I had him watch my kids. He's like, I know he had a problem, but I trusted him enough. And he was such a good guy that he was watching my kids when I had to do stuff. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, he's harmless, but he has an issue. And I was like, okay. And that's from right then and there. I was like, okay, I get it. I got more about understanding of it that he just, he has an issue. Right. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy you mentioned Lawrence Taylor. I mean, how was Lawrence Taylor never suspended? How did he make uh, he, his whole career without? <laughs> he was suspended, not not. But the, the league, the league rules were a little bit different back then. Remember, he, he missed like yeah, four or five games. Yeah, he missed four or five games. No, that's he true. He missed four or five You're games right. in like eighty-seven or eighty-eight or something like that. Yeah, and no, if that's he would have got caught true, again, he was going to have a he was going to have a, a season suspension, so he stopped doing it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, all right. Well, Levin, man, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. We always have a blast talking with you. You're, uh, you know, you, one man. of the nicest Anytime. guys Anytime. in the media and pleasure to talk to. And True that, man. Got that voice, man. People just want to listen to you, you know? 100%. Well, I don't know about that. Well, thank you, guys. Don't spread the news that so, I'm a nice guy because then everybody wants to talk to me. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. So, you guys have a good time. Okay. Yeah, thank man. you so much for having me on. Anytime you need me, give me a holler. We will. Thank you very much. All Levin. right. We'll Take do. Care, right? Thanks, Levin. Okay. Bye bye. All right. That's going to do it for our show this week. Thanks again to Levin for coming on. Really appreciate it. He's one of the best guys in the business. And so uh, we appreciate him coming on. Really nice guy. Fun to talk to. Uh, we will be back next week. We will have uh, a preview of the divisional round, you know, obviously depending on how the games go this weekend. And we'll also have our, our up high, down low, too slow from the Jets game as well. So we'll catch you next week. Take care. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.